Thomas and Frederick. With Thomas and Frederick. With Thomas and Frederick. Welcome to the State of the Franchise, where we talk about franchises of all shapes, sizes, and types. And as always, I am here with Tom Stadler. Tom, how you doing today? Fred, I am doing just fine, and uh, I'm doing it all for, for something today. Mm, doing it for the likes. The likes. Maybe the Nookie. Oh! <laughs> my next guest was going to be the Graham. <laughs> the Graham. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you heard. I'm Fred Dick, and that's Tom Stadler, and we're doing another great episode here. We're having someone back in the studio today. Last time I was here, we talked about some some hardcore... Was it metal? Metal core. Metal core. I believe it was the term. I had it backwards. Yeah. <laughs> core metal. Uh, but instead, today we're talking about something else. This is something that's been in the making for a while. You both came to my house like probably almost a year ago to watch movies around this subject. Oh, that's right. As preparation. <laughs> I don't know if we took anything from that, but ladies and gentlemen, today we have Josh Randall with us. Josh, how you doing? Hello, I'm doing good. Thanks. And thanks for having me back. Yeah, welcome back. We've been excited to continue our metal trilogy that we enshrined last time and i know you've been on at least once in between that time josh jurassic park yeah oh, yes yes mm-hmm. that was that was a good one if you listen to that one i have i have covid in that one. Oh, that's right and you can hear it yeah you can hear it in my vokes <laughs> i feel like a lot of podcasters went through that though at least for a time whereas like somebody caught covid and you can tell they're like a little out of breath or they're mm-hmm. a little like like that type of Oh, yeah, that was a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy breathing into the microphone. Yeah, it's like me after a 5K. Like, I'm like, uh, or if I walk 10 steps now. (laughs) I I think I was enjoying a hot toddy, and I think I had Jurassic World on the background while we were recording, just because I needed it. I needed it. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, this is an exciting episode today, uh, talking about new metal. And we're excited to get into uh, what the difference is between metalcore and new metal. But first, before we really dive in, we have a talkback segment, Fred, that's a little infrequent because we obviously are just waiting for people to, to write in. Uh, and you can reach us at State of the Franchise Podcast at gmail.com. Or obviously, you can always leave a comment for us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I had, a, I had a message, though, from a fan, Fred. Uh, his name's Corey B. And he, uh, he said to me, uh, listen to the Muppets and Chips episodes today. Both excellent. Chips was really interesting. Lots of flavors he can reminisce on. Uh, the chips were not mentioned. And most intriguing flavor he had before is chicken and biscuits from Ooh. Lay's. Have you ever had that flavor? I've, I've eyed them. You know, I've seen them. Because all those Lay's, you see them, you, you want them, you just don't know if you should pull the trigger. I know. And I feel like, especially since that episode, I've been, like, keeping an eye on, like, okay, where's a really interesting flavor? But I think I got to go back to Moe's or something like that, or even to the um, 
that other depot that our guest uh, Tyler was mentioning at that time where they get like imported chips from like the UK because I don't know. I, I, it just feels like there's stuff out there that's still to be had that Lay's hasn't quite scratched the surface with yet. Yes, I heard. So, um, you know, as typical, we come out with a great episode on chips. Other podcasts are going to follow up. The Doughboys did a special episode on chips and their Patreon. I know. I know. Guys, figure out your own bit, okay? We're doing franchise food, okay? Figure that. out your own lane. Wow. But... They tried the BLT in the Cuban or uh, Cubano Ooh. chips, and they were raving about those. And those are both Lay's. That's all from that same kind of marketing thing as the chicken and biscuit. So I believe the chicken and biscuit are good because I'm, I'm hearing good things about the other kinds. Yeah, definitely need to try that. And the BLT, which does sound pretty good, too. I mean, honestly, give me a flavor that's kind of unusual, and I'm going to get after mm-hmm. it. I'll leave the chips with this. My flavor that I look for everywhere in chips now, my new favorite chip flavor is just pure jalapeno. I had those pineapple jalapeno Doritos, and those were excellent, but I had like the Zaps, uh, Cajun jalapeno taters or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mind-blowing. Game-changing. Wow. I I feel like I've never had anything other than just like a solid like jalapeno, or maybe it's like jalapeno cheddar. So that's pretty good. Josh, have you had any different flavored chips that you're a fan of? Um, I'm a particular fan of the uh, jalapeno cheddar Cheetos. Those are good. Wow. Um, I don't know that those are very extreme, but I do like those a lot. Um, Otherwise, pretty much any flavor Doritos comes out with. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what flavor it is. It tastes really good for some reason. Like, I I don't know why, but like I've had like cheeseburger taco Doritos or something like that. Oh, yeah. And they literally tasted like cheeseburgers and tacos and a Dorito all at the same time. And that's magic. That is. That kind of reminds me of when they did the, uh, well, they have like the taco Doritos that are just regular, right? Mm -hmm. And I always confuse it because they have the the mission bell on the bag. (laughs) I always think I'm like, are these the Taco Bell Doritos? But I think they did actually have Taco Bell Doritos. That sounds like a thing. And I always say, if we're talking Doritos, I love the the purple bag, the spicy Thai chili. Oh, heck yeah. Those are the best ones. So, Corey, we thank you for listening. And I feel you got like five new chip recommendations to check out, too. Yeah. So, again, if you guys have any any suggestions or any other uh, feedback you'd like to provide on previous episodes, please feel free to write in. But that's those episodes. Now we're talking about some new metal. Uh, some style, sometimes stylized as new metal with the what? What is that double dot that you put over a U? Is it just a like an accent? You guys know what I, I'm talking I about? I, I know what you're talking about. It's like a it's like a colon that's like rotated uh, ninety degrees. Yeah, and now I don't know what that actually is called. <laughs> I'm going to look it up as we're talking about it. But yeah. I feel like it's some kind of like German accent mark or something. Because we are not saying N-E-W, space metal. No, no, no. We are saying N-U-M-E-T-A-L with that up, that up top colon somewhere in there. It's true. It's called an umlauts. It's a German, uh, particular common in German. Ooh, the, so it's like, the, it's like the French version of the um, accent got or whatever it is. Mm. I feel really smart for guessing that it was German. I mean, it's kind of associated, though, because so much of metal, I feel like, is associated with German bands, which we'll talk a little bit about today. But Ooh, foreshadowing Rammstein. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. maybe so, maybe so. Um, but I guess, you know, Wikipedia describes them. It's a subgenre of alternative metal that combines elements of heavy metal music with elements of other music, such as hip-hop, alternative rock, funk, industrial, and grunge. 
new metal bands have drawn elements and influences from a variety of musical styles, including multiple different genres of heavy metal that includes metalcore. So, Josh, I guess where I want to start with you today, in, in addition to understanding what you're, how you would define the difference between these two genres, so also what was your first exposure to new metal? Okay, so um, I would say to start, the differences are, as you mentioned, new metal is very much a hybrid style of uh, take on heavy metal music. Mm-hmm. It kind of was born uh, over time throughout the 90s. Um, a lot of like the original new metal bands were forming in the late 80s, early 90s, but not really gaining traction as you kind of like had your thrash uh, and stuff like Metallica and Pantera and whatnot and mm-hmm. Slayer dominating. And then you transitioned quickly into grunge. Mm. And new metal kind of like, I think, really gained traction and birth out of like the post-grunge era. Mm. Um, and like when those bands were falling out. And basically just metal fused as a hybrid with something else. And metal core, conversely, is the post-new metal era. Metalcore is what killed new metal, just as like new metal is what killed grunge and thrash and all that kind of stuff. Like that's how I see it, um, because like metalcore really started to come out of like, hey, me- new metal's super mainstream and super popular, and we want nothing to do with that mm. and that imagery. And it was kind of like this hardcore take and this anti-mainstream take that was like started with like small community and pocket of bands, and then it just like. All of a sudden, it wasn't cool to be new metal anymore. Interesting. That's, so to, that's kind of how I see the two genres. So um, to borrow another metaphor, it'd almost be like thrash and grunge were like a Charmander, and then new metal was a Charizard, and then metalcore, or I'm sorry, was a Char Charmeleon, and then metalcore was the Charizard. Uh, I see where you're going with that. <laughs> let me let me offer you this: if you know, like thrash and and like you know groove metal, where like the Charmander, Charmeleon, Charizard, mm-hmm. then new metal was um, Cyndaquil to Typhlosion, <laughs> and then metalcore was whatever the third gen starter fire Pokemon was, <laughs> Torchic. I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, like because that's how I see it. Is like not so much as like it's an evolution. It's almost like the the trend mm. changed. Um, because you can always go back to any of these genres, but like the trend of what's popular and what's kind of everyone starts listening to changes over time. Gotcha. So I just think of it as a ne- the next generation. Okay. So we're comparing it to Pokemon generations for, from now <laughs> until the end of the episode, you guys. Yeah. So I do, I will say that new metal and metalcore share similarities in terms of song structure and that they both generally have really heavy riffs, mm. um, and melodic choruses. But that's probably where the similarities end. Like the style is very different in how they approach uh, everything else and song structure. Like new metal almost never has like guitar solos in it, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but very heavy on hooks and riffs. Uh, metalcore generally always features guitar solos. Yeah, I could definitely see that though. I think even just comparing what we were listening to in the last episode to this one. It's very interesting that I keep like thinking back, like, oh, this is almost like a sequel to that. But yeah, it is like a 
it's like we are talking about uh, a complete like it's like the prequel episode yeah <laughs> yeah we're going back to the prequel <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, metalcore is generally faster tempo too new metal is generally like heavier chugging like mm-hmm. head banging riffs uh metalcore is not so much head banging it's more just like moshing <laughs> i mm-hmm. guess yeah i could feel that um to answer your other question my first exposure uh i think did did you want first exposure to each of the genres or just, just new metal? metal? We, we, yeah. yeah, first exposure to new metal is easily um, like it's I, it's tough to say which one band in particular, but it'd have to be one of the three between like P.O.D., Corn, Limp Biscuit, or mm. four Lincoln Park. I feel like Lincoln Park was a little after, but maybe like P.O.D., Corn, and Limp Biscuit were probably the first three. Sure, for me. Gotcha. Do you remember like hearing it like just on the radio or in a movie or was it just kind of like I was definitely like radio and then like or a friend got a CD. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Um, I remember the first time like I heard Youth of the Nation on the radio, but then like I actually had like my cousin got the POD satellite CD, which that song was on mm-hmm. and like had it on his like portable Sony Walkman CD player. And like he's like, here you gotta listen to this, you know. Gives me like the old school headphones with the little foam, like and everything. Oh yeah, for sure. And I <laughs> jammed out, and then I had to get that album. Um, <laughs> Limp Biscuit was all over like MTV and stuff, though. Like I just remember seeing like Limp Biscuit music videos and stuff, probably even before Pod. Realistically, like Nookie and Break stuff and those, like they were all like Fred Durst with the red baseball cap on backwards, like every time on MTV Total Recall or whatever else. So it might have been Limp. Oh man, Limp Biscuit, you know <laughs> that does that does track with the time. What about you, Fred? Do you remember where you first kind of got exposed to new metal? Very similar to Josh, you know, just being a young man, you know. I was in a small rural town, <laughs> and uh, I feel that's kind of like the breeding ground for Limp Biscuit listeners are like small towns in America. Mm-hmm. And I remember just going to middle school mainly, sitting in the back of the bus. I was like, at that time, one of the older kids, mm-hmm. you know, the back seat was like the double seat versus like the triple long and i just had that to myself i felt like i was the bad kid and i would just listen to uh is it significant other is the seat album before that would be correct hot before dog, chocolate starfish chocolate starfish and hot dog flavor water yeah yes. yep. <laughs> my mom never wanted to buy that cd for me for some reason i, I don't, I don't I know why, why. <laughs> uh yeah and that was the other thing i wasn't really allowed to listen to limp biscuit uh i'm gonna throw out a name because he's not new metal but this he's in this group Eminem. Like uh-huh. this was a vibe of the time, but yep. this was also the anthem of our time. I feel like <laughs> this is like this is what we were listening to. So I remember I had a kid on the bus. Shout out to Eric Brower, who knows what he's doing now. But I actually remember giving him like birthday money or Christmas money, like forty bucks or so, to get me significant other <laughs> and. Uh, the chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavored water. I remember being very bummed because he got them for me and it took like a month. Because, you know, he had to like wait till he went somewhere with his parents. He went to Walmart and I ended up with the edited versions. Oh, man. Which is like, I could have maybe convinced my mom to buy me the edited versions. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just, a lot of times on the bus listening to Limp Biscuit and Corn and eventually. 
by the time it got to us getting a computer where you could burn music, I just had another friend come over who had the big old CD book, and he was allowed to listen yeah. to whoever he wanted, and he had corn albums, Limp Biscuit albums, and just like taking one out, putting it in the computer, putting it on there, you know, just one after another until I just had, you know, I amassed this music collection. And I I think I that stayed with me probably until about seventh or eighth grade until I found like Blink One Eight Two. And then yeah. like everything shifted from being this like angry little like kid running around like Rule taunting town to like, you know what? Maybe I need to buy a skateboard and put on some <laughs> armbands. You mentioned a really interesting thing about like your parents weren't allowing you to get a Limp Bizkit CD. Like you weren't allowed to listen to it. That's how it was for me with corn. I was not allowed to listen to corn. Mm-hmm. Um, and like uh, I couldn't get a CD or a cassette or anything. So like it's interesting because that makes me realize that there are bands slipknot was another one i wasn't allowed to get a cd from slipknot or anything and i don't think my parents really knew what these bands were about they just kind of the imagery that was like marketed Mm -hmm. they were like nope nope not for my child so Mm -hmm. i had this awareness of new metal bands before i was really like into all of them like i kind of went back and got into corn and slipknot like when i got older sure Mm-hmm. I feel like we we all probably grew up with parents that were a mix of that the stereotype of like I don't know what that is but that's new and I don't like it to new age thinking I think at least for me my parents were on the teetering edge like still kind of a little bit old school but still like more accepting than their parents you know yeah no like, and I think that's honestly was the same exposure I had and I think that's how I even became aware of new metal is because it probably was around 1999 2000 when I was just entering middle school and like the big bands and I was just like looking this stuff just to double check the timing on it but it was like Limp Bizkit like came on the scene with you know like Nookie like a kind of quote at the beginning like Kid Rock with Ba What a Ba it was just like and I remember being like, oh, I want these CDs so bad. And my mom was like, not a conversation. You, I've heard those songs. You're not having them. Like, And so it sort of felt like I had to like, go seek out people who would be able to have those albums. Mm-hmm. Listen at their house. Yeah, we had to go to the kids' houses whose parents were allowed to listen to it. Yeah. And you didn't want us at those houses. You should have just given us the music. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were always the, I don't like you hanging out with that that guy, <laughs> that that uh, that Teddy or that Jerry. You know, it's like, because they, yeah, they always had, you know, just like, oh, yeah, my mom will let me watch anything, buy anything, all that, right? But it's you it hit on something too that I think you know we call out is it was kind of like that moment where your hormones start to kick in right as like a you know a preteen almost and it's like you have like these these emotions where it's like almost like anger and it's like or you have just like these really heightened feelings and it feels like a lot of new metal really kind of resonates with that whole feeling mm-hmm. of like my body is doing things that I don't know what the hell is going on it's the music for angry little shits and like when i was in sixth grade i was an angry little shit yeah yeah i i I think i think you're you're right on with that um and the imagery of all the new metal bands like how they presented themselves was not like traditional rock and roll stars Mm -hmm. so whether you go back to grunge and you're like you know uh Eddie Vedder, Chris Cornell, Scott Weiland, any of those big names, right? Or you go back into, like, uh, you know, like, 
thrash and, and glam metal, and you've got, like, Metallica, and you've got Eddie Van Halen, and you've got ACDC and all that, like, they're all, all the way back into, like, Stevie Ray Vaughan, all the way going back to the Beatles, like, it's rock and roll, and new metal is not, quote, rock and roll. No. Like, from an imagery standpoint and an art, and an artistic standpoint. That's probably, like, it was just, like, so different. I mean, yeah, you think you only have to look at, like you said, the bands or, like, their album covers, too, and really get an idea of, like, what new metal was about. It was kind of dark. It was kind of weird. It was, like, heavily tatted. Like, guys are dressing, kind of, like, culturally appropriating some things that yeah, were yeah. maybe well, Okay, we got to say something about new metal. White people got away with a lot of shit during new metal. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus. Like, dreads and cornrows. <laughs> and Well, yeah, and that's part of the thing with, like, new metal is, like, because it's a hybrid, you've, uh, like, it, the concept is that it's heavy metal that's hybrid, like, combined with other genres mm -hmm. you had so many different takes on it yeah you had like the crazy costume and uh you had like the more like kiss rock and roll style where they're gonna do face paint and costumes and craziness and you had that with like bands like Mudvayne and whatnot and then you take that to a step further and you go to like slipknot and mushroom head and they're wearing like horror movie masks and mm -hmm. things like that and then you've got like the dreads and like corn and pod and then you've got Red baseball caps with Fred Durst. Yeah. And like, it's it's all over the place because it's, like, heavy metal plus something. And that something is a variable ingredient every time. Yeah, exactly. And it's definitely, I mean, I think that almost kind of added to it feeling a little more, like, dangerous, definitely. right? And why parents were so put off because it's like, well, these guys look like people I would never want my children to hang out with no matter what they're dressed as, right? Especially you talk about a band like Slipknot. Like, those are the guys that look like they hang out at, like, all the haunted houses in October. I know. And now when I look at it, I'm like, look at these goofballs dressing like it's October. You yeah. know, like it's, but back then, you're right. It was intoxicating this, like, oh, these guys, like, might actually be, like, scary, you know, or, like, evil even. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, and I think what's interesting, and I really want to dive into this uh, with you, Josh, since uh, you, you just recently attended a concert. Because I was like, what? I recently attended two concerts. Two concerts, yeah, that are very new metal heavy. But the idea of like why this music resonates even today, and I think it's kind of a weird question to ask because I feel like new metal was very of a moment. You know, and that there's not, I mean, I've kind of always just accepted this idea now, even for like the past like five, 10 years, that like rock and roll is kind of dead. And metal, I think, is also sort of on the cusp of just barely still hanging on, you know, but it's a lot of like older bands from 20 years ago that are ones touring. And, but it's like, but then when you hear it, you do remember that nostalgic feeling of like, I remember listening to this when I was like 12 or 13. I don't know. I mean, I guess what what is that feeling now that we are seeing this resonate so much? And maybe, like I said, Josh, if you want to kick us off and talk a little bit about your recent experiences. Uh, sure, I got a take. couple thoughts on this. Um, so, uh, yeah, recently, I, I've uh, last night, literally, was at <laughs> a Stained and Godsmack concert. And Mixmaster Mike opened for Stained and Godsmack. Wow. And if you're not familiar, Mixmaster Mike is the DJ from the Beastie Boys. Um, he's apparently like BFFs with Godsmack. <laughs> uh, I learned that last night. Um, but yeah, Stained and Godsmack, uh, and it was a great show. Um, 
And then about two or three weeks ago, I saw P.O.D. and Puddle of Mud, and also a great show. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's fresh in my mind. Um, I'm kind of going through listening to a lot of this, uh, you know, these bands from my childhood. Um, one thing I, I, you know, talked about in the Metalcore episode was the concept of the um, hedonic treadmill, right? Where you kind of like, it's like this mental thing where you kind of like, you can't overindulge in the same thing constantly because the, uh, you know, the excitement and euphoria you get from experiencing it starts to fade when you keep doing it. So then you kind of like go into other things and then those other things you haven't experienced in a while become exciting again. Um, I think that, you know, for me, that happens when I listen to music in general. So mm-hmm. right now I've been I've starved myself of this genre of music for so long that now it's all exciting again and mm-hmm. re-experiencing it. But also you mentioned like it's all these bands from like 20 years ago. So we are in 2023, right? And 20 years ago is 2003. And that is literally like the height of new metal. Mm-hmm. And typically, you know, history has shown us in pop culture that it takes about 20 years for like the nostalgia kick of things to hit its peak. Mm-hmm. And you'll see this with like movies coming out with like sequels 20 years later, um, you know, like be it Star Wars or like Blade Runner or whatever. Um, Jurassic Park getting Jurassic World and all that right. kind of stuff 20 years, you know, almost 20 years later. Typically, it's the, the nostalgia wave hits its peak around the 20-year mark for things to start trending again. Mm-hmm. Um, on another note, I've kind of been, like, thinking about what you said, too, as far as, like, rock's kind of dead currently. But I feel like that almost also spans into, like, a lot of, like, rap and hip-hop, too. Like, the styles have changed dramatically in the last five to ten years or so as far as like what's popular and what's trending and whether it be rock or like rap and hip-hop you don't have like big hooks and like choruses and things that like really draw you in it's just more like vibey Mm. and um you know there's a there's a youtuber uh named finn mckenty who goes by the punk rock mba who kind of just like does like uh video essays on all things music and he was talking about this and how, like, he's sensing, like, there's just this transition in music and what's popular now mm-hmm. to vibe-oriented music. And um, it's more like background music rather than, like, something that you're actively listening and engaging with. Yeah. And that, that might, you know, be something that speaks to what you were kind of sensing. Whereas, like, new metal is the opposite of, like, background vibe. It's very in-your-face and it's very, like, engaging. You know, it, it hooks you in. The choruses are like very memorable and things like that. And then, you know, like it's it's kind of like a primary focused activity versus like, I'm just going to put this Limp Biscuit song on in the background. Like, no, when you listen to My Way or Nookie or Break Stuff, you're you're like singing along with it. You know? You've just gotten back from the bar and you're cracking open another beer. You're cranking <laughs> your speakers, pissing off your neighbors. That's how you're listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> I do think there is something to that, though, that, yeah, it definitely is more of an engaging type of music in that regard. Because I think what you're kind of almost referring to is, like, this rise of, like, lo-fi or, like, chill hop, right? And it's very, like... Mumble rap and whatever yeah, else, you know? Yeah, and it's definitely more like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm kind of hanging out, I'm listening to this stuff in the background, where, yeah, I mean, exactly as Fred you're saying right there, it's like... When these songs, like, you have people trying these at karaoke because they want to really, like, 
get into the moment and like, because it's like you, you can't sing a, a lo-fi song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I just, whenever I look up music now, like, and I want a playlist, sometimes I'll just kind of like type in the vibe versus what I want to listen to. Right? Like fireside classical, like, you know, like dinner music. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's what's funny about something like Spotify now, right? It's like you go through the playlist and there is something for like mood. There's something for genre. And then they have like, you want 1970s road trip songs that don't bang too hard okay <laughs> like and it's like literally that's the name of the playlist it's like yeah. okay uh yeah uh, or you could just call it 1970s <laughs> I, I, I listen to so much more music now because of spotify but i know way less about it like i like i listen to a lot of opera at work i couldn't name i could name three operas but like oh, wow. i listen to so much of it and i've even gotten suggestions through app oh check this one i'm like oh that's fire i don't know what it is but i like it <laughs> i mean and i love like lo-fi when it comes to like electronic and synth wave and stuff yeah. like my favorite like edm like dj producer is a lo-fi like chill wave producer Calm Trues. Uh, calm Trues. I knew it was coming. You knew it. <laughs> um, but, like, it's very different. And it's for a different mood, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but, like, also uh, one thing that, you know, Finn McKenty had mentioned was, like, there's, like, and we are, the three of us in, you know, on this podcast may not have a lot of experience with this, but, like, TikTok is huge with Gen Z mm -hmm. and upcoming Gen Alpha and whatnot. And, like, Almost all TikToks have background music, but it's like random samples of music. And it's again, it's like background music to something else. Yeah. So it's like perhaps there is a larger influence from like that social media and that platform on what's popular music for those generations that then is influencing the, you know, popular rock, the popular metal, the popular, you know, rap and hip hop and EDM and stuff. Uh, that's going on nowadays like and, and that could be a thing that being said what's interesting is the gen z and these younger generations are gravitating towards the new metal bands too which is also what's contributing to their like resurgence recently mm. and his uh his hypothesis was that it's because they have they're just better uh, they made better songs like the song structure of new metal songs are catchy and you know it's easy to get hooked in by you know the riffs and then it's easy to learn the choruses and sing along with them or groove to them and that doesn't exist in metal right now like popular metal bands now don't have good song structure yeah and it's almost like they've intentionally gone that way because it's it's not even metalcore that's popular anymore. So it's the next generation after metalcore, and it's like we got to be more hardcore because metalcore became mainstream, and now it's all about we've got to be really technical and super precise and super fast, and it's like we have to show how proficient of guitarists and drummers we are, uh, but we've lost all sense of song structure in the process. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, too, that you even mentioned, like, you know, the fact that some of these songs are showing up in the backgrounds of TikTok videos, because I think so much of what new metal was is one, you know, we mentioned it was a blend of genres, so it's accessible, but it lived in a lot of movie soundtracks. Like, I think that was one of our conversations that we had off pod leading up to this was how many movies do you feature like new metal songs? And it's hard to go through the early 2000s without thinking about 
a movie that prominently featured, like kind of similar to like how some of like those eighties pop bands always had, like you know, like Pretty in Pink or you know something like that. It's right. like you know with Daredevil, you had Bring Me to Life. You know, <laughs> if uh, you know Spider Man, it was that uh, Chad Kroger uh, song, it was like, Hero. Yeah, with, with Josie Scott from Saliva. <laughs> yeah. What a new metal song that song is, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't like Nickelback being in this the conversation. I would I would posit that Nickelback is butt rock and that's a whole separate conversation of what is butt rock well we should talk a little bit about butt rock <laughs> butt rock i mean honestly we probably should is that the third is that the third in the trilogy just butt rock i don't know my it's a type of metal my vision was always hair metal but we can Ooh, we can talk I about it i think it. we need to we have to go back we to hair to and back. glam metal for sure yeah for the third episode yeah but Talking about new metal, just to give some brief history and talking about how it even generated butt rock. <laughs> I just can't even say it. With face. Uh, how about you Google what is butt rock? Right now? It's new metal, but terrible. <laughs> with a little bit of a twang to it, I feel, right? Prominent bands such as Creed and Nickelback and Hinder. Oh, my God. And all those bands. Tantric? I don't know. <laughs> so when you Google what is butt rock, the first answer that came up on my phone, mm-hmm. butt rock is a subgenre of rock and roll and hard rock music that is lyrically devoid of artistic merit <laughs> and oftentimes reduced in melodic complexity. <laughs> butt rock peaked in 2005 when the super chieftains of butt rock, Nickelback, released the song Photograph off their fifth studio album <laughs> god no no lies detected with that one <laughs> yeah even like people who are a nickelback read that and they're like yeah this was right <laughs> and then fun fact why is butt rock called butt rock spelled b-u-t-t-r-o-c-k mind you mm-hmm an anecdote recounted in the Houston Press says listeners initially coined the term butt rock after a radio station advertised its programming as being, quote, rock, nothing but rock. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get photographed and you're like, this isn't rock, this is butt rock. <laughs> Damn. I thought it was simpler than that. I just thought it was because it smelled like <laughs> sounded like shit. That's what I thought. <laughs> So, new metal became popular in the late 1990s, as Josh mentioned, with uh, artists such as Korn, Limp Bizkit, and Slipknot all releasing albums that sold millions of copies. New metal's popularity continued during the early 2000s. No, we recall those the early aughts. Yes, um, with bands such as Papa Roach, Stained, and P.O.D. all selling multi-platinum albums, and peaked with Linkin Park's diamond-selling album Hybrid Theory, which became the best-selling rock album of the 21st century. However, by the mid-aughts, the oversaturation of bands combined with the underperformance of several high-profile releases led to new metal's decline, leading to the rise of metalcore and many new metal bands disbanding or abandoning their established sound in favor of other genres. Which is an interesting thing I think we could talk about, too, because... I think about about like how Disturbed kind of resurfaced years ago, but they were just kind of doing covers of like other popular songs, like uh, yeah. "Land of Confusion" and uh, was was Sounds the, of Silence. That's the one, yeah. Like, let's do our Simon and Garfunkel fix, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, like Disturbed kind of really like lost its form. Um, 
you know, I, I, I want to say it was like when I was like just in college. So like we're talking like 2008, which is after like new metals kind of fallen off. I feel like their last good album was um, indestructible. Mm hmm. Like everything after that just kind of sounded very bland and uninspired. And I don't think it was me evolving my tastes. I just think like creative energy fell off and, you know, whatever. I mean, they still play great concerts. I saw them at Summerfest last year. They were fantastic. But sure. like they're not playing a ton of stuff off of the like those albums from like 2008 to 2000, you know, 20. Mm -hmm. So. That's interesting. But there are other bands that come from new metal, like from the, the heyday, who have still stood the test of time, are still releasing albums now, some better than ever before, um, or saw others that like they didn't evolve the sound, and it still sounds like it came out of 2002. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's still good. Yeah. Which, I mean, yeah, obviously they're staying close to their stripes, maybe not selling as much music because sure. they aren't keeping up with some of the trends, but they're also kind of like they're metal or new metal through and through, right? Like, which yeah. I mean, is something to be, I guess, applauded. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's what's impressive for me, like going to see some of these bands in concert now and being mm -hmm. like, do they still got it? <laughs> and in some cases, they sound, you know, some of them sound a little washed, but in other cases, it's like impressive. It's surprising how good they still sound. Yeah. It is interesting just to think about that they are not that old. I mean, we say, you know, 20 years ago now, and that's, yeah, that's a long time when you think of it in context. But like, it's not like we're talking about the Beatles who were playing in the 60s, right? And it's like, and trying to, read now, I mean, Paul McCartney's in his 80s. Like, it's going to be 90 soon. And it's like, yeah, these guys are probably realistically only in their 40s, 50s, which... Probably. Yeah, so, like, I think last night Godsmack, uh, the front man, Sully... Came uh, out with a walker? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, he actually looks like he's in amazing shape. Like, I couldn't believe, like, health and, and like, physical fitness and everything. Like, he looked great. I, I think he said he was, like, 51 or something like that. Or maybe that was the front man of Stained who was saying it was like 51. But like that just got me thinking because I was like looking at all of the performers in Stained and Godsmack last night and realizing like, yeah, these guys have gotten older. And they're like, you know, some of them like they like look like your dad or your, you know, like playing like guitar up on stage. But yeah. they're still playing the new metal like, you know, t like songs and riffs that they were playing at 25, 30 years old. And I'm like. It's, it was a very surreal moment being like, oh, they're like older and they don't look like they should be playing this kind of music, but they totally are and they're playing it really well. Yeah, which is, I guess, it's something that always impresses me too is when you do look at people who can still play because you can tell they've been doing it and you can tell that people who are out for the money who like probably picked up their guitars like previously like, you know, a month before the tour and they're like, all right, well, let's just go do this, right? And they're like just cashing in on their, their days, which... It's good. It's not new metal, but I always, I will always try to check out Real Big Fish when they come because they put on just as good as the shows they did in the nineties, and they do look older, but they like still come out with their like you know ska vibes and just like rock it out. Yeah. Oh man, which as a concert I would love to see. Oh yeah, I recommend a real even if you like one Real Big Fish song, go see a Real Big Fish concert because just any ska concert where they've been doing it for twenty plus years and there's people playing horn instruments and they know what they're doing they know how to project those horns it's a great it's like a full orchestra 
performance versus just guitars and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, man. I love ska. Yeah. But, but I've also been to ska concerts where some guy's like blowing a trombone like right <laughs> at the audience and you're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hold on, dude. Give me a second. We should talk a little bit about some of the bands, though. I have a list of the top 25 bands. This is according to musicgrotto.com. But... You know, they, they list a, f- a few of the best ones. And there's a couple bands that I feel like are kind of controversial. And I want your guys' take if you think so. So is it metal. like uh, yay new metal or nay, like not new metal? Is that what we're saying as far as controversy? Yeah, maybe let's let's determine, do these people belong in the list where they're at? And then, or, you know, and then... Are they ranked or are, are you... Saying? Or do they belong, period? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so, this sounds like a fun game. Let's do it. Yeah, so, you know, 25 on the list is Saliva. Def, yeah. Def on like, title alone. They had like one good hit, click click boom. Like that was the only mm. good. Mm. There's I I bet I could come up with twenty five like other. <laughs> yeah, n- no, I'm gonna go nay. Now you're going nay that it's not good or nay that it's not new metal. I'm uh, confused. I would argue Saliva is closer to butt rock than new metal, but <laughs> I would agree. also <laughs> say nay like shouldn't be in the top twenty five. Okay, I'm yeah. fine with that. I think I'm okay with that. In this moment, you ever heard of this band? That is a post new metal era band. Um, that was like I, I don't really know what I'd classify them as. They have a female lead singer, I believe, right? Yep. They're popular more like in the 2010s. I feel mm. like. Hmm. So to me, that's post new metal peak. So I wouldn't put them in the top 25. All right, Static X. Oh, 100 percent, yes. Yeah. About Wisconsin Death Trip. <laughs> What's that? Their first album, Wisconsin Death Trip. Is that right? That's the name of the album. That's and a we're good in title, Wisconsin. Man. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel like that should be the title of like a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you go to die after you move here. <laughs> no. Uh Seven Dust. Absolutely. Yes. I'm going to see them in two weeks. They got a they got a song I know that they play for the brewers uh all the time. Um oh. What's it called though? Too, and I, I forgot to write it down. Early. What's what's the big Seven Dust hit? They've had a bunch over the years. Um, I'd say Enemy was one of their biggest. But like, see, what's the first one that comes up? When, I mean, it might be the algorithm might show you their new music because they just dropped an album like last month. Oh sure. But like, if you go to the first non-new song, let's see what it is. So the first non-new song looks like it would be Waffle. Waffle? Yeah, that's from the Home album. That's a great song. Yeah. Okay. But was there that was like a, a radio played song? or It was on, I mean, it had a good music video and whatnot. I, I don't think Seven Dust was ever a big mainstream radio band, mm-hmm. but um, like they're definitely heavy metal mixed with Southern Rock. One of their biggest songs was Black. That was like off their first album. Okay, I want to play a little sample from Black. Because that sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure this is one I know. So why don't you bones out to buy? <laughs> Oh, yeah. This is the Brewer Game song that I always think of. This is the pump up the crowd song. Yeah, I have heard this at Brewer's Games. Yeah, this riff is awesome. Pretty good, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And they they kind of blend, like, they they blended a few different styles over the years in different albums. Mm -hmm. They got into, like, kind of southern rock roots at, at one point. Um, but they've kind of like, they're a band that they're very consistent. Like they're one of those bands where every album you're like, yep, this is seven dust, but each album has a very unique sound and vibe to it. Yeah. Which I think is, is good that you want a band that doesn't always sound the same. Cause I think one of the, the things that came like the, 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 what am I trying to say? The, 
Like what I was saying with Disturbed. The payment like, come, <laughs> came or whatever, you know, or it's like with Limp Bizkit, yeah. It was just like after like the third album, I was like, okay, these guys are just doing the same thing. It's the same thing, and it's, <laughs> and it's uninspired because like, you know, the creativity has gone. Yeah, and when they popped, that was their reinvention because they were more stricter, like more underground rock, I thought, like a $3 bill or whatever is more of like a standard rock CD. Yep. And I think... They changed their style and got famous, and then there wasn't... They did try to change it again, but they did the Disturbed thing. They covered a classic rock song. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was like, why? Yeah. And you know what? They ruined that because I was like, okay, you're doing like a version of this song. You sound fine singing. You're not blowing me out of the water. But you're not going to do something new with the end of that song? Which is, like, why you cover that song, I feel, is, like, you do the slow song, and then it kicks in really hard. I wanted to hear the Fred Durst version of that. <laughs> if I slap my, da, 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 whatever. I don't know. I forget the words you, of that you, song. You don't want to hear Fred Durst try to recreate the original version. You want to hear Fred Durst do the Fred mm-hmm. Durst version. Right. Yeah. Really put some stank on it. Yeah, it's really And then cut out the part. Like, that's like doing a cover of Freebird and cutting out the part where it kicks in. <laughs> <laughs> Just have him just like freestyle. <laughs> yeah, I know it would have been bad, but I wanted him to try. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, Seven Us is one of those bands where I was saying, like, they've stood the test of time and they're still releasing albums on a regular cadence and every album is still good. Nice. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. got, I like it. This next one, I don't think uh, Josh is going to have much to say about POD. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, my concern with POD is that they're not high enough on the list. They're only at 21. <laughs> they should be, like, top five. Payable on death is what POD stands for? Yeah, and they're technically a Christian band. Christian mm. new metal band formed in 1992. And you can feel it with some of their lyrics, but it's not clawing. Yeah, no, it's not like it's like, oh, you know, God is good or whatever. Like, No, it's definitely not like that. Like, it, you just, they're very more, like, metaphorical lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like, so at the POD concert I was at, like, two, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. they... This is it. I I almost felt silly for not realizing this sooner in my life about the song Satellite, which was off their you know multi platinum album called Satellite. Mm-hmm. It was the last song of their set. They leading up to it, they were like you know talked about some of their fallen like you know lost artists of the era, and they called out Chester Bennington that he was a dear you know a close friend of the band. They had been on tour with Lincoln Park many times, mm-hmm. and they dedicated the song to him. And it was satellite. And all the time I grew up as a kid, I thought it was literally about satellites in orbit around Earth. And I was like, this is so stupid. I don't get it. It's a metaphor for angels in heaven. And it makes so much sense, like, when you listen to the lyrics and, like, think about it. And uh, it was once I kind of had that realization, it was just, like, so much more beautiful to me Mm. how the song was written and that they dedicated it to, to him. Yeah. Well, no, that is good though. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a very quintessential. I feel like when you think of new metal, you definitely think of POD is yeah, one of absolutely. them. Absolutely, mm-hmm. click, click, a boom. Oh no, that's saliva. Damn they it! Have, they have boom. boom here comes, here the, comes boom. the boom. Yeah. Here comes the boom. Ready or not? Let's play. Let's play here come the boys from the south. <laughs> you know, and the one thing with POD, they had the song "Youth of the Nation," which was like the biggest song that probably ever blew up, right? But um, from them. But, like, had such meaning back then. Oh, yeah. Still has insane meaning now because the subject matter has not gone away. 
Right. And it's almost like made that song like have such a stronger like meaning and impact just given all of the school shootings and things that have happened over the last 20, 25 years. For mm-hmm. sure. Here is Boom by P.O.D. Not to be confused with Saliva's Click Click Boom. <laughs> Just waiting for the. Are you waiting for the boom? Yeah. How you like me now? You know the music video for that song is them doing a um, a ping pong tournament. They're all wearing <laughs> they're all wearing like Adidas jumpsuits, like track suits. And they're doing like a, a like World Series Olympic ping pong in the music video. I like it. <laughs> it's it's so goofy and it, funny. It's very like early two thousand. Makes me think of the scene in uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall or not Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was thinking Knocked Up when they're just having like the the bullshit boys tournament outside. <laughs> I don't know why I went to forget because of Jason Segel. Right, right. The next band is Crazy Town, which... Oh, th- dude, they had, like, that one song. Come, my lady, come, come, my lady, you're my butterfly. Sugar, baby. baby. That's yeah. Crazy Town, right? Yeah, that is. Butterfly. That's a one-hit wonder band. They don't belong on any top 25 <laughs> list. <laughs> I rented this CD from the library once, I remember. Oh. Was there any other good songs on it besides that one? There were songs with a lot of cursing, so I remember liking that. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I thought the, that was cool. That's the qualifier. That track, yeah. Next one is Trapped. Oh, so Trapped, uh, you know, in their heyday, were a definite top new metal band. How that band has fallen because the front man is like a crazy person. Really? Who has no hesitation to share his crazy thoughts and spew them out everywhere he goes. He's headstrong? He's very headstrong, yeah. Was he was he at January sixth? <laughs> he probably was. Yeah. No, seriously, probably was. So that band now, like uh my buddy Marcus that I saw uh staying in Godsmack with last night was just telling me, he's like, I saw Trapped like a year ago at a restaurant in Chicago and there were like twenty people there and they couldn't even sell out the restaurant and the dude was still running his mouth. Wow. And I'm like, and, and somebody else told me, he's like, I saw Trapped at X-Ray Arcade, uh-uh. which is not like, it's not Summerfest or the Paps Theater. and It's like a small, a small venue, not even venue. in Milwaukee. Yeah. <laughs> no. Towny venue in like Cudahy or something. That's right? like, nuts. And so how the mighty have fallen. But at the time, they were huge. It was in every trailer, I feel. Yeah. Headstrong. Yeah, right. It was. Hot take. Uh, Still Frame is their best song, even though Headstrong is the most popular. Mm. Check it out. Still Frame. You, you've heard it. You'll be like, oh, yeah, this one. Yeah. Well, well, well in the sake of, uh, of continuing on, <laughs> yeah, we don't have to spend we'll let everyone find trapped. some of that. Yeah. Mudvayne is the next one up. I think they were influential and popular enough through multiple albums, and they're very new metal in terms of, like, they're kind of like similar to Slipknot and Mushroom Head and those other kinds of bands that had that like dark, gothic kind of like appearance. Yeah. And they had a lot of, you know, I would, 
they had a few hit songs across a couple albums. So yeah, I think they deserve a spot on the list. I feel like I remember Mudvayne having a song in the movie. Fred, you can help me out here. It's a, a horror movie from the mid two thousands. They're on a ship. It might be just be called Ghost, Ghost ship? ship. Yeah, Ghost Ship. Oh yeah, because. I don't know if that song was in there, but it could have been because I was like, isn't that a period piece? No, the opening of that movie is an awesome like period piece. You should watch the first five minutes of Ghost Ship. You don't have to finish it. It's yeah. like a back in the day Ghost Ship. Well, well, the people are still alive. It's like the Titanic, whatever. And somehow something in a Rube Goldberg way, they all die. <laughs> and then the movie starts and it's people checking out the ship and there's ghosts on it. I mean, Ghost Ship is a pretty good premise. I mean, I think I'll add it to the list. Not to get too far down a rabbit hole here, too, but I think it kind of goes back to the whole thing of, like, I mean, even a movie like that that was kind of, like, about, like, an older... T- or you see a flashback was using new metal, like, in the mm-hmm. soundtrack. And it's, like, kind of crazy to think that, like, why is that a pick? But it just kind of felt like that was the vibe of the time, right? And I know, like, I, we'll get to it even a little bit later, too, but I feel like WWE was somewhere in new metal, like, yeah. lived on even past its, like, expiration date because the, sure. the guys in there love to use the music, especially Undertaker, right? He used yeah. his Kid Rock, his Limp Bizkit. And... I think The Edge had uh, Alter Bridge, Metalingus as uh, his opening theme song. Metalingus? That's the name of the song. Okay. The band is Alter Bridge. <laughs> Yeah. Isn't that? Aren't they a Christian group? No, uh, Alter Bridge is Creed Sans Scott Stapp. Oh, okay, that's what it was. Yeah, didn't they pick up this lead singer from somebody else though? That's like their kinda... singer is Miles Kennedy. He, uh, yeah, I, he was the immediate singer after Scott Stapp left. Creed formally was no more, but the rest of the band stuck together partnered with Miles Kennedy and formed Alter Bridge. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, he was associated with Slash for a bit, too. Is that guy? Oh. Yes, yes. He did, like, a uh, super band with Slash or something like that. Ah, uh, okay. Or maybe he became Slash's touring vocalist or something mm-hmm. like that. Slash will hop in. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, he will. He'll kind of just lend himself. Flyleaf is the next band? You know, Flyleaf... I. When I, we were talking about new metal going into this and like curating a playlist to kind of like jam out to for the last couple of weeks, I put Flyleaf on there, but I was like questioning if it technically was new metal or not because it was definitely on like the kind of like the end wave of new metal. Sure. But I mean, I thought that they were pretty uh, transformative just with their first album. Like, no, like everyone considered Evanescence the quintessential female vocalist new metal band, mm-hmm. and Evanescence and like. I feel like only had like one good song. <laughs> oh, don't say that to a lot I of people. Know. Hot no. take, hot take. Flyleaf, much better songs. Because I think my immortal is gonna yes. get some, okay. <laughs> Which, some love. At a talent two, show in my middle school, a teacher songs. played two good songs. Oh. Oh. I don't know, man. I, I would love to see how Evanescence would sell out a crowd if they got that. I'm, I'm not saying they wouldn't sell out a crowd. Yeah. I'm just saying you haven't heard My Immortal until you've been at your middle school talent show, which is for kids, and your English teacher, your sixth grade English teacher, comes out and plays piano and sings My Immortal to wow. everyone. That I sounds lovely. That that's she did it really nice, but it was just like, what the hell is going on? Isn't this for us? <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty odd way to experience it, for sure. Oh, my God. I would also argue Lacuna Coil is a better female-led band. 
But anyway, that's the rabbit hole we don't have to go down. Next yeah. up on the list. Stained is our next band. Ooh, Stained definitely deserves a spot. I think this is... <laughs> stained this deserves is, a this spot. Is, yeah, yeah, this is a stained spot here at, what is this, number 16 on the list? Of yeah. Top 25? Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I'm on the outside. I'm looking in. <laughs> See, we don't even need to sample that one. I feel like people will know that song. It's been a while. <laughs> oh, man. Stained, I, yeah, definitely. I just saw them last that. night. They were great. Yeah? But you said Godsmack put out a better set, huh? Uh, I love Stained's discography. Like, multiple albums, mul- like, cover-to-cover albums are great. Mm-hmm. And I know so many more songs of them than Godsmack, but Godsmack puts on a way better live show godsmack puts on one of the best live concert shows i've probably ever seen i've seen them twice in my life i saw them open for metallica when i was like 14 and they crushed it um and i saw them again last night and like i was like went in low expectations thinking like i don't know it's godsmack like i kind of like they fell off for me whatever sure blew me away how good they are at putting on a live show like and the lead singer, Sully, is extremely talented. He plays guitar, he sings, he plays drums, he plays piano, and he does it all like throughout the course of the show. Since we're talking about Godsmack, they are at 10 on the list. And I think that's pretty good for them because I feel like they are definitely one it's of probably, the... Yeah, I mean, they, they brought a huge crowd, too. Like, the crowd doubled between Stained and Godsmack, like, at the AmFam Amphitheater. Yeah, and I was telling, kind of telling you guys about earlier today, I think that also was something that also reminded me of, like, soundtracks for a show, because the main theme of MTV's Fear, which is a show I don't know that many people remember, but I was kind of saying, that's kind of my, my villain origin story when it came to horror... Because I remember watching this show, and it's just about like you like kids would come in and do dares. They were like teenagers, and they would go to like actual like haunted sites. But I just remember they had drop voodoo in the opening credits, and it's just this creepy montage. It just sucks you in. You're like, oh god, and you get it's like gives you like the 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 like you know goosebumps on your back as you're like about to watch this thing and it was definitely like that and uh, speaking of goosebumps i feel like that was the transition from liking like kids like horror to like oh god okay this is like (laughs) some spooky shit they played voodoo last night people had the lighters out and everything yeah Yeah, godsmack was so big i feel like for a time and they're in the game prince of persia warrior within i remember that they're on they're in the soundtrack for the scorpion king yep a movie I've never seen, but a soundtrack I owned. Because that's how you could get some of these new metal artists if your mom wasn't going to maybe buy you the Slipknot CD. Yeah. She's not going to look at the track list of the Scorpion King. And like I think those had, it had some pretty hard stuff on there. Yeah. But I think I Stand Alone was the big track for that. Uh, that was off. Yeah, I Stand Alone was like, that was what they closed with last night. That was their closing song. Sure. So I guess their biggest hit. Yeah. That's their closing time. Uh, um, they yes uh, to to reference <laughs> yes, them. Um, <laughs> they I had the first three Godsmack albums, and you know I I like know a handful of songs off those three albums. Um, I'd say each album was good for like maybe three great tracks, and then a bunch of filler. But they've had like six albums since those first three, and they just oh, sure. released one this year. And I was like, I don't know any of this discography, but it didn't matter because it all sounded like Godsmack. 
even when I didn't know the songs. I was like, yeah, this checks out. This tracks. Yeah, we'll play a little of I Stand Alone because I think people will recognize it instantly. You know, I'm thinking about it. This was also in an army commercial, I'm pretty sure. I believe it. Like the few, the proud, the Marines. <laughs> that would be a Marines commercial, not well, an army commercial. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been that or the Marines, is what I'm saying. Oh, for sure, though. I, I have no doubt about it. You know, there were a lot of Godsmack, Dragon Ball Z anime music videos back in the day, too. Oh, yeah, there were. Yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing a dis- no a Deftones one of those for Dragon Ball. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, don't get me started on the Deftones, BB, because they are one of the next ones on the list. They Deftones. are a top three new metal band. <laughs> Hot take. I will. I will defend it. Wow. <laughs> top three. So my only qualm is that they're listed at number fourteen. You want them higher? I want them in top three. Ooh, wow. Yeah. I'll kind of loop a couple of these together because I feel like some of these don't really belong. We have Drowning Pool and Alien Ant Farm, who I think are new metal, but would you call them the top 25? Heck no. No, Alien Ant Farm, their famous song was a cover, right? Of Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only, like, they had, like, maybe one. Maybe at most two other songs of note, but yeah, the top song was Michael Jackson cover. And Drowning Pool had two big songs before the front man left, and they got a new lead singer, which was the lead singer of a different new metal band, Soil, who came on to Drowning Pool, and they struggled, and they went into oblivion. <laughs> I had that Drowning Pool CD. I convinced my mom to get that one. I don't think it was parent advisory, that one. Do you, no? do you recall any songs of note besides Let the Bodies Hit the Floor and Sinner? No. I couldn't even have told you Sinner. I knew there was two. I could tell you I listened to Let the Bodies Hit the Floor like probably a million times. Sure. Wow. Like, just like, on repeat. If a band is a one-hit wonder, they don't deserve to be on the top 25 no, of the I agree. genre list. No. So our next one is pretty big because mm. we got to Limp Biscuit already, which kind of feels maybe low. Yeah, that's what I'm them? saying. How is Limp Biscuit only like one higher than Alien Ant Farm and Drowning Pool? Like, yeah, like you can hate on them all you want, but they literally started and like are the probably the first band anyone thinks of when they think of New Battle. Very possible, mm-hmm. but I think it's like and they peaked so big that they were were on a Mission Impossible movie, which maybe it doesn't have the same gravitas it does today because 2 is still kind of figuring things out, but yeah. I feel like when you are like, yeah, I'm on a Tom Cruise movie, you're like, all right, you got you got some steam right. It was now. arguably their most artistically like uh, like the best song they ever wrote too. Like it, they didn't phone it in. They wrote that song, and it was for that. Like it was that song on that movie soundtrack, and it is a. I feel like it's actually one of the Limp Bizkit songs that holds up artistically beyond just the memes of, yeah, it's my way, Nookie. You know, <laughs> like, like take a look around is a banger of a track. Oh, I agree. Let's listen to a little bit of it, huh? <laughs> Oh, and as you can hear the, the music video dialogue in the background. <laughs> Talking about top secret agents. Yeah. I'd love it if Fred Durst was in IMF, though. <laughs> <laughs> and 
he shows up in uh, Dead Reckoning Part 2, Ooh, that'd, that'd be, be pretty wild. cool. He might be a Russian spy now. <laughs> Working for the Kremlin. <laughs> he got a little out there with his worldviews. Damn. They all do, it seems like. I mean, Damn, you- Steven Seagal. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> I mean, you say it's an artistic song, Josh, but it's also just the Mission Impossible theme that they're sampling. So I, 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 I get what you're saying, but at the end of the day, it's also like oh, not man, a, but fully like original. John Otto on the drums, he carries that song. Mm. I don't know why you want to hate this. <laughs> I'm not trying to hate it. I don't know why you want to hate this. Because, <laughs> hey, it's all I see to hear lately. Also, you're not it. giving DJ Lethal enough credit for mixing the Mission Impossible. You're really not giving the DJ the Lethal song. enough credit. I just can't believe I walked into that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next band is Rage Against the Machine, oh. a band I love. And I saw them last year, and they were excellent. I don't know that I would categorize them as new metal though it, yeah it's it's weird i did put them on the playlist we were like you know listening to mm-hmm. leading up to this podcast um and i was thinking the same thing i was like you know they were relevant before and during the new metal wave yeah but they are to me more so like punk yeah and something else <laughs> it's um, it's almost hard more, rock punk yeah more grungy though too i grungy think grungy punk yeah, like it's like what happens if you took like the Ramones and and other punk bands, uh, like Anti Flag or whatever, and like put them, blended them with grunge, and then you get Rage, you know? Yeah, it does almost feel like they're almost in a category of their own in some ways, and I think that's why it made so much sense for like the Matrix soundtrack when you mm-hmm. hear that and you hear you know like. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm one of those I'm one of those uh, young adults or middle aged adults that. Here's Rage and things of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. <laughs> oh, there you go. Which is a lot of punk soundtracks on that, yeah, too. A yeah, lot of, yeah. like, the Jackass era, like Bam Margera, Viva La Bam, right? It's, like, all those types of songs. What I will say is, if you do consider them new metal, I think it's fair to place them at number 11 on a top 25 list. Mm, if you would qualify them as new metal, I would maybe put them top five, but that's uh, me. <laughs> Next is... Okay. Godsmack, yeah. Well, Breaking Benjamin. Ooh, so Breaking Benjamin, I have a love-hate relationship with. I think it's fair to put them in, say, top ten, number nine, whatever. Um, They are a band that is phenomenal on studio recordings, but every time I've seen them live, and I've seen them live like five times, Mm -hmm. Benjamin is broken. (laughs) It's in the title. (laughs) Literally. Like... Dude's vocals aren't working. Uh, you know, he broke his wrist, so he can't play guitar. Whatever. The the equipment isn't working right. Like it's like literally they, they're the worst band that I love that I've seen live and been terrible every time I've seen them live. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna make a Fred like take for this next band. Cause it's Incubus. And here's my take, because I got a one line mic drop, and then I'm gonna let you finish. But if you make the song the reason, you're not new metal. That's my thought. But the reason is you. No, the reason. And the reason's not Incubus. The reason? That's Incubus. Wait, is that Hoobastank? That's Hoobastank. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, we all we all were like we all were into it for a second. Then Fred's like, wait a minute. 
No, I looked at you to be like, I don't know the name of this band, but I know he's wrong. Well, I knew the rest <laughs> of the lyric, and I was just going off of that. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's Hoobastank. Oops. Wow. Okay, well, I guess throw out my, my, my take. My friend like take Wait, wait, wait. Do you, do you pardon me. Pardon me? While I burst. Mm. Uh, by the way, I'm wearing an Incubus Morning View shirt right now. I would I would say they are new metal because they're, they're like metal mixed with... Um, Whatever uh, you would consider like sublime and surfer music, uh, yeah, I guess they're like a hybrid of. And those. they got a little trance which, which going, to, like T R A N C E to them. Trance, trance, yeah. I which guess, would qualify as new metal based on the Wikipedia definition as a hybrid of metal plus something. But I guess when I when I think of Incubus and these are the two songs I know now, I was completely confusing them with Hoopastank before. But I think of Drive, and I think of Wish You Were Here. And neither of those exactly hit the same way as like a POD song or. A Can I song. put in a song I haven't put in a song yet? Go ahead. Incubus Megomaniac. I think it's called that. I think that's me. Yeah, I think that's Incubus. I know that that's the. You're vibe correct. Of this. Yep. Play some of that. I would also argue, Incubus was on the Little Nicky soundtrack, which is a very new metal heavy soundtrack, and thus. Qualifies as a new metal band? Another soundtrack that I, I own. Well, let's take a listen and we'll we'll determine. Good thing that's why I liked Incubus because I can't go hard all the time. They would come at you with like a and then it would slow down. He'd be like, How you doing? I've got a song for you. Yeah, Yeah. I I, I think the thing with new metal is because it's a hybrid genre, it's metal is the control variable, and then your dynamic variable is literally any other kind of thing to blend it with. You get a wide spectrum of style of new metal from the Fred Durst. Lincoln Park, P.O.D., which are all, like, rap rock, to, like, I don't know, funky groove-like metal, which, I, you know, like, corn and stuff, yeah. to, like, you know, Deftones, which is, like, shoegaze, you know, like, really hardcore rock with, like, shoegaze, like, dreamy texture reverb vocals and stuff. Um, and then, you know, other stuff, obviously, in the genre, too. But, like, it, it then also kind of makes it hard because you're like, well, this does isn't like that. Yeah. But there are common threads. Sure. No, and I think that's exactly a good point because you even brought it before. It was like, oh, they have a little bit of sublime to them. And I'm like, yeah, I would agree with that because I would think of, like, the two songs I mentioned before are very kind of, like, almost like that, like, reggae, punk. Surfery. Yeah, yeah. surfer. Yeah. But, like, P.O.D. has a lot of reggae vibes to it, but in a very different way. Yeah. Oh, definitely. But it's a little more refined. Next is corn. <laughs> yes, for sure, top ten, like if not top five. <laughs> and I think it's important to say because this is an audio medium. Corn is spelt with a K. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> that is that is a good point. I mean, that's how hard they go, right? That they yeah. spell with a K. Yeah. I just don't want our listeners to be like, I'm going to check out some of this music I heard today. And they're just typing in corn and they're just getting pictures of regular corn. You got to put that <laughs> K in there. <laughs> and I would say corn is probably another band. I think when you say new metal is maybe one of the first bands that people think of. Yeah, yes. for sure. Mm-hmm. Papa Roach at six, which is a choice. Uh, that's a choice. Absolutely. They're definitely new metal. Um they don't deserve to be in the top 10. Top 25, yeah, but I would put them between 15 and 25, somewhere yeah. in that range. They did pretty decent with staying, well, I wouldn't say staying relevant. They were big when they came out, and didn't they kind of have like a second win with like a song? Getting Away the, With Murder? Then you realize I'm not going to be struck by you. Oh, and that's Finger 11, Paralyzer. Wow, it's hard because all these songs sound the same. That's what I'm saying. Some of these bands blend. Hoopastank has a little incubus to them. Yeah, they do. You're you're right about that. You are right about that. But they came out with a song that was similar, like that. Roach has still been dropping albums, and they actually had uh, a song that came out like maybe like three or four years ago that I was like, "Oh, this slaps." I can't tell you the name of it offhand, but I put it on a playlist. I was like, "This song slaps." (laughs) Like I was surprised it was Papa Roach. Well, Well, suffocation is just brain stew. No breathing. Don't yeah. give a fuck if it. <laughs> I'm just saying the melody, the riff of it. Oh, the guitar riff brain is just brain stew. It I, is for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. From Green Day, yeah. So our next one on the list we talked a little bit about already, but it's Evanescence. Break out the sandbags. Josh is gonna go to go to throw fisty cuffs over that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I already said it. I think Flyleaf's better than Evanescence, and I think Lacuna Coil is better than Flyleaf. But I'll leave it at that. Yeah. But, a lot of people know Evanescence, and a lot of people like them. That's fair. I, you know, that's still fair. a still popular they choice. More, they will sell more tickets. I'll give them that. Yeah, if they were gonna do like a like a boyhood boyhood style movie of my life, and they cut to me in eighth grade, they would probably use that song as a needle drop. I'm just saying that song felt like it was everywhere. Like Bring in eighth and ninth grade. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I mean, I remember watching Daredevil and that song kicking in, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh yeah, and I'm talking the Daredevil with Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. Jennifer Garner, the superior one. Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's a hot take. That's uh, the hottest take. I watched, so I, I'm going to kind of tee this up because I'm going to actually pay this off later. But I watched this on a plane uh, when I was going out to LA for a connection to Australia. And I watched the Daredevil movie. And I remember the soundtrack being really good in it. But my goodness, was that movie not good. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I was like, this is a terrible start to it. But there's a lot of uh, a lot of new metal songs that came out around the time I went on that trip, so it's all safe for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is Disturbed, which we talked about a bit. Yep, and if I, four I feel, feels good. I feel like yeah, they deserve top ten for sure. Um, I four feels I don't know if you had asked me in 2005 to 2010, they would have been like top five for me. Sure, but I think it's. I really soured on them when, like, they kept releasing albums that just sounded really derivative of themselves. Sure. And it was just so uninspiring that I was just like, okay, if they're coming to concert at Summerfest or whatever, I'm going to go see them for sure. I know it's going to be a good show, and they're going to play some of those hits. But, like, I felt like they were just, like, really milking it for a while. (laughs) Sure. But that Richard Cheese cover, though. Mm, Yes. (laughs) Get up, come on, get down with the sickness. (laughs) 
<laughs> or did you have that moment, Josh, where you heard the non-radio version of Get Down With The Sickness, and in the end you're like, what the hell is going I, on? Yes, Fred. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought that up. Do you up. know about this, Tom? What's that? The non-radio edit of the song Down With The Sickness. Like, okay, so the one that's on the album? Correct. Yeah. The explicit album, not the Walmart album. Yeah. Yeah, you know where he has the whole, like, uh, monologue. Ranting about his mom, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, mommy, don't do it again. No, mommy, I'll be a good boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that freaked me out when I was little. Yeah, that caught me off guard the first time I got the Sickness album. Mm-hmm. I remember you, First put- time you got the Sickness, you yeah. got a little sick, didn't I you? I remember putting that album on my Christmas wish list from, so my aunt used to get everyone's CDs for Christmas. She mm-hmm. had, like, a catalog that she'd order from. So it was like, tell me what CDs you want you know and christmas gift and i asked for disturbed the sickness and i remember her questioning me like i was on the phone call with her she's like disturbed <laughs> like, <laughs> like like that's why this doesn't sound good you know but this i was like 14 or 15 or whatever and i got it and i was so stoked because like that album cover to cover is all bangers it's great album stupefy on that album it is on okay. that album so is uh, so is voices the opening track the game, uh, fear. Uh, oh my goodness, there's so many um, dropping plates. Yeah, uh, I wore that the album. Cover of, sloppy boys. The song. cover of Tears for Fears. Shout shout two thousand is on that album as yeah. well. Mm, I'm gonna have to but, check that out. But later. yeah, when I first heard the sick uh, down with the sickness on that album. I remember it was like on my boombox blurring in my room and I had to like literally go and stop it halfway through because I was like, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want my dad barging down the door. Yeah, for sure. And it was disgusting cover art, if I recall, for that album. It's yeah. a guy in a straight jacket. Yeah. Is that what it in was? like a mental asylum. He kind of looked though disturbed. Yes. Yeah. Will, yeah. And it was like zoomed in real close. Yeah. Like yeah. his face. Yeah. yeah. Sinister looking. Yeah. Very, very, uh. Like kind of like, like JRPG villain for sure. <laughs> Do you think some of these bands would have sold more albums to kids like me if they just picked more chiller cover art? <laughs> Very possible, but they had to let you know what they were about. The next band is definitely one I would love to talk a little bit about: mm. System of a Down. Ooh, very Christ. influential for our time. Like, uh, yeah, like that was all like middle school everyone was listening to system of the down yeah and i feel like they just were huge like i feel like the minute that they hit like main radios and i'm kind of waiting for the newer generations to come back to system of a down because of how like political and like progressive like some of their their songs are and I feel like it's the one day it's going to hit and people are going to all of a sudden be talking about them again. For, for me, System of a Down is very adjacent to Rage Against the Machine. Sure. Definitely. A different approach, but like very adjacent, like feels like the same band, even though it's a different, totally different band. But I also just felt, and you know, I'm the last person to like have opinions about what's metal and what's not. I always pictured System of a Down a little more like, like hard. Core metal or something, because it's just more intense, and there were those melodies in the music that, you know, weren't existent, but they also had catchy courses. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's it. They were able to really 
illustrate in a way I think that we saw with like Olympus Give Two, where you kind of have the where they break it down a little bit, right, and kind of smooth it out before they really hit you with the the heavy guitar riffs. You yeah, know? yeah, that was the first band I felt like cool that I was kind of in early on. Yeah, because my brother got the self titled album from someone before even Toxicity was out. Yeah, so I like like I was listening to Sugar like all the time before I even knew about Toxicity. And then Toxicity drops, and they're, like, mainstream almost. Oh, yeah. And it was just very cool. Like, I was in sixth grade. I'm like, oh, and Bandai Leg is on the radio now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and I felt like, though, when Mesmerized and Hypnotized came out a few years later, those were just massive. Like, people mm-hmm. were, like, waiting on those. Like, it was just a huge summer, like, when, when they came back around. And that was, like, one of the bands I felt like in new metal that really stuck until they were just kind of like, we're done, you know? Um, I don't listen enough new metal to make this claim, but I think Toxicity is probably the most like wall to wall banger new metal album if we're putting it in there. Fantastic album for sure. Number two, Slipknot. They definitely deserve a uh, a, a top five or top ten for sure. Um, I think you know when you're in like top five, it's very um, sub- subjective. Like everyone's gonna put their favorites, <laughs> but Slipknot's. Like I said, it was one of those bands I couldn't listen to for the longest time. I wasn't allowed. And then mm-hmm. when I was like 16, 17, had my own you know, job, made my own money, I went out and bought the albums at Best Buy. And yeah, they bangers. Bangers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like Slipknot to me is always going to be, we talked about those anime mu- music videos before, right? And that was always like what I thought of because the song Wait and Bleed would be in like the background of all these ones. People would pull tracks from like Evangelion or they would pull it from uh, Samurai X. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, even Dragon Ball Z or everything. Like they just all had like Slipknot. And they're like, look at how hard this is with these guys who are like fighting in their Gundams or whatever. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it works for sure. Plus they had the the appearance, the band appearance with all the masks and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did the lead singer do like a solo thing and didn't he have like a hit? pretty similar oh, yes. to like what yeah, was that stone sour yeah who maybe is, is? it's the same singer it's frontman Corey taylor mm-hmm. um frontman of stone sour and slipknot i can tell by that black and white like close-up picture that that was the song right yeah so this is this is stone sour bother which was also a humongous hit on the radio yeah almost as big as slipknot kind of like more like post like more grungy influence than mm-hmm. slipknot um, but yeah, Stone Sour had heavy songs and like light songs, like Bother, Through the Glass, and whatnot. Through the Glass was the one I was I'm thinking looking of. Looking at you through the glass. Yeah. yeah, but this was the one I think a lot of people will remember. Go for it. Like an America song, right? Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So, interesting thing about Corey Taylor is because he's he was so successful with two bands mm-hmm. um and he now does a lot of like producing of music for newer bands and stuff apparently he got into like a feud with uh, machine gun kelly when machine gun kelly was like trying to become a rock star and mm. whatnot 
and like Machine Gun Kelly like asked to like work with him and like I I don't know like what happened but Machine Gun it ended with Machine Gun Kelly like talking smack publicly to Corey Taylor and oh, then like wow. everybody else like was like Machine Gun Kelly you're an idiot <laughs> <laughs> like Corey Taylor is a boss like we've all known him for years and like this guy's like a musician and you're like a tool <laughs> so yeah that's not a name I've heard in a long time and I'm ve- and it's almost like the most relieving feeling I've felt in a long time yeah I haven't thought about uh Mr. Kelly in a long time and I'm yeah. pretty happy about it yeah, he also had beef with Eminem, and Eminem, like, roasted him. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I knew about that. Yeah. I listened to that song, and it made me happy. Yeah, and it's just, it's like, you you can't hold a candle to some of this stuff, man. <laughs> you can't hold a candle to Stone Sour. You can't hold a candle to Eminem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, the last band, and I think this is a rightful number one. I'm going to just throw this out there. You can fight me, Josh. Lincoln Park. I think Lincoln Park deserves the number one spot. I do. I think they were the like widespread. Everyone loved Lincoln Park. Mm-hmm. Everyone loved Lincoln Park. My mom loved Lincoln Park. <laughs> I don't know why, but she freaking loved Lincoln Park. Like Lincoln Park brought people from any culture, any style of music, like. It brought rappers together with rockers. It brought people who like country music. It brought people all over. Like, they knew how to write really good music throughout their careers. Like, they they started off probably at their most prominent of new metal like style, and got softer over time. But they are. I mean, they were so good. And like, you know, everyone. You know, hurts from like Chad Chad Bennington, you know, yeah, passing. But like, it's such an influential band. Uh, I think on our entire generation, like growing up. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I mean, I remember just a lot of people owning that album. I had Meteora, um, and it was huge. I also remember the mashup they did with the Jay Z mm-hmm. yeah. album, and that ripped. And that was like. What I thought of, like, wow, this is really what new metal could be. Is like, well, because they always have the rap in the songs too, but yeah. like but, Shinoda. Yeah. Yeah. I always see Linkin Park as definitely one of the tops in this genre, but it's also kind of like the beginning of the end, I feel like. It's kind of like the last, like, big, big one, right? Yeah. At least for me. That was the last one. That was getting, like, the huge radio play, like, these other bands were. Yeah, they weren't the first, but they were definitely, like, the the pinnacle, the peak of the genre. Definitely. Hit it the biggest, and probably the biggest, I don't know, like, it's tough to say, like, because I, st- you know, like, after I grew up and, and was going into college, I was definitely not listening to what mm-hmm. was popular on the mainstream radio, but I feel like no band hit it as big, as widespread as Linkin Park. Right. Like, I don't think there's been a band since that's cultivated and gathered so such a strong following like they did when they did it. Yeah, I mean, I will say, guys, even though it was the beginning of the end, in the end, it doesn't even matter. They still <laughs> rock today. I guess. They tried so hard, <laughs> and they got so far. Yes, they did. And I actually kind of want to use this as our transition point because I, for a coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know, one of the things I think about is the fact I didn't really get to see many of these bands. Like, I think of the list that we just went through, I don't know that I've seen anybody except for Rage Against the Machine. And I think Linkin Park would have been one of my 
big shows that I would have sure. loved to have seen if I had an opportunity to do it. But again, fighting against mom and dad who who's gonna buy you the ticket or let you go you know yeah i'm with you on that tom i never got to see lincoln park live um tickets were always super expensive whenever they were playing and like they would sell out like crazy so i never got to see them live uh that would definitely be a coulda woulda shoulda for me as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i would have had two in here one is cheesy. I would love. I'd still see Limp Bizkit unless like what Fred Durst comes out and says something really awful yeah. or whatever. But like they were at Lollapalooza like two years ago. I would have seen that just because like the nostalgia. I know I would know every song and like I think I've swung around Limp Bizkit. They're not a band I'm going to play, but it kind of was. This band's a the shit. They're cool. Then it was like this band is lame and corny. But now I'm kind of lame and corny, so it, like, works out. Like, I don't care. Like, I'll throw on whatever I want. I never got to see Limp Bizkit either, now that I think about it, and I definitely would have loved to. And Mm. I'm not going to lie. If Limp Bizkit comes to Milwaukee in the next, like, year or two, I'm going. I don't care. I'm going. (laughs) Like, even if Fred Durst is crazy out of his mind, I got to go just to see it and Mm -hmm. witness it, right? Um, Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, but I did get to see uh, System of a Down at Riot Fest, which oh. was very cool. It got interrupted like four times because people were getting like brutalized in the mosh pit. They literally oh, had to stop the concert multiple times, but it was a good, good concert. Other than that, that would have been another band I would have really liked to see. And that's another could have, would have, should have, I'll throw out there. Is I wish they would make some more music because I feel like System of a Down, it's kind of like in a similar way with like Rage Against the Machine. You know, and that they kind of are similar in tone and like what how they make their music. I'm like, feels like the time is kind of now for like if they're ever going to make a resurgence. But it sounds like uh, the lead singer. I know his name is escaping me, but he's kind of out. Serge, yeah, Serge Tanakian. And his lyrics, well, not just his lyrics, but his vocalization is probably the best in the biz, just of what he can do. Mm -hmm. He kind of has, like, this sing-song melodic voice, but then he can scream with the rest of them, it feels like. I just love the way he sings and the way he approaches lyrics in general, like almost playfully. Yeah, for sure. And it's just, it, it's it's classic from, I mean, all around. But what about other coulda, woulda shows that you guys would have? Or is there, you know, even like, if we want to go back to the list, was there any band that really didn't make it on there that we would add? Um, just to talk about, I guess. There's a few bands, but I mean, I could go on for a while about that. Yeah. <laughs> But I guess, yeah, is there any other band, though, that maybe we would even see, like, if they could make a new album or had a chance to? Because, I mean, Linkin Park, obviously, I think is a, a pretty obvious one of, you know, which they can't do any longer. Yeah, I think I just keep moving more towards into alternative the bands that are popping in my head that are, like, cheesy bands. But I would love to see, like, Bush or, like, Fuel's definitely alternative, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, think, I'm running like, out of metal then. Yeah, I mean, but Fuel is was really popular at the same point in time, mm-hmm. you know? Um, another band, uh, what was it? Um, goodness, they had that song Fly From The Inside and 45. Staring oh. down the barrel of 45. Shine Down. Shine Down. Probably more alternative as well, but popular back then. Um, Another band like Filter. Filter transcends a lot of different, like, probably, like, genres of rock. But they were popular in the new metal era. Um, And I'd say, like, I saw them a few years ago at Summerfest, and they were fantastic. I bet. Like, really good. I was, like, impressed. 
Filter is kind of a tough one because it's like as much as you could probably call them new metal, it does almost feel like they they edge on like the alternative, the grunge, because it, it it's almost like I would almost put them more synonymous with somebody like Alice in Chains or like mm-hmm. Faith No More, you know, and like as much as I would put them right next to. Yeah, but it's also weird because they have the song "Take a Picture," which is like much softer and lighter. That's what I was saying about Incubus, you guys. <laughs> now Incubus like is definitely that mix of like soft, but then they'll have the guitars come in like full distortion. So it's, it's that that blend you were talking. Yeah, about. yeah. But yeah. then Filter has "Hey Man, Nice Shot," which is like, I mean, it hits right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other bands, Edema. I've I've mm-hmm. talked about them a lot prior to the podcast. So the front man of Edema, when they came out with their first two albums, which were like the pinnacle of that band, is the is the brother of um, uh, Jonathan. Can't think of his last name. The front man of Corn mm-hmm. and the front man of Edema are brothers. And Edema had multiple hit songs that were popular, very new metally. Um, I would have put them on the top twenty five list because they had like multiple hits and like. It's a band that kind of like once they faded, they never recovered, and like they had issues with like fall, you know, falling out between the band members and stuff. So they kind of like went into obscurity, but their first two albums were like cover to cover, great, mm. and like multiple singles and hits. They had a song that was uh, featured in like Mortal Kombat Deadly Alliance or something like that, the <laughs> video game. Nice. What about? And I think they're more metal, but. I would argue some of their songs sound pretty new metal to me would be Tool. Mm. Ooh, so Tool is interesting. Yeah, Tool's a phenomenal band. I think the reason they don't get classified into new metal, even though they do kind of sound that way with their riffs, they're considered like pro- prog, progressive metal. I get that and with they're their like albums. the literal, like the pinnacle of progressive metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think a schism. Yeah. Sounds like a new metal song. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think for sure. Because it's like they were rising to prominence in the era of new metal being popular, but they're kind of always on the sideline. Like the, you know, the cool, edgy rockers listen to Tool. And know? concept albums is a yeah, thing. Yeah. Concept right? albums. Yeah. No, Tool's great. Great mention. Um, what else? Taproot. Taproot's a band that like <laughs> never really like hit mainstream like where everyone was talking about them yeah but they had a lot of bangers like if you actually go and like listen to like uh you go search youtube or spotify and like the top five popular songs you're gonna be like i remember that one yeah. i remember that one well, that one slaps you know yeah i knew yep. the name when you said it for sure for sure and uh we'll talk a little about tap i don't want to show my hand but Ooh. there's a there's a power ranking coming and there might be a little tap root in there uh Rammstein, i don't know if it's new metal but it was relevant in america when new metal was relevant mm-hmm. and to me do host is a new metal song Fire Fry is a new metal song. I would actually. Dumas has those melodies though with the yeah. guitar, like the soloy. There's, I don't think there's a solo in Duhas. But I guess the melodic guitars. It's like the guy playing on the phone with the <laughs> dial. I might be thinking of a yeah, different song. That's, that's the uh, that's the keyboards. Keyboards in Duhas. I think of a different song probably. I mean, but do I would almost think Ramstein like is kind of surprising. They're not on the yeah. List. They're like headbanging riffs. Like new metal is like you know like headbanging riffs to me but like i mean it's also rammstein so it's like all in german you know mm-hmm. like and it's a com- it's a completely different culture 
that surrounds them, they're still making music and they're still sounding like Rammstein. They're they're kind of their own thing. Right. Um, the other one I was going to say was Rob Zombie. Mm. Rob Zombie. Mr. Zombie. Which Dragula. Has had quite the... We could play a little sample from Dragula. Yeah. Ooh, do you want to do the original edit or the Matrix edit? Both are great. <laughs> oh. Both are different. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, maybe we'll have to do the Matrix edit. Do the Matrix edit, edit yeah. Because I feel like that's one that... The Matrix edit's probably more new metally. Yeah, which I like um, doing that. But Rob Zombie's interesting because I don't know that I would have automatically put him in new metal. But again, it's it's sort of like it makes sense. He has a lot of the the right stuff, but it's just also weird and creepy. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. but here's a here's a sample of of Dragula for you guys. The Matrix club scene edit, which this almost became. I think this edit became more popular than the original like album recorded version. Was that right? I I feel like it was. Like, I, I could see it. And it's a very different sound for the same song. Yeah, here it is. I remember this version for sure. Yeah, that that's a good one. That's definitely good. But not my Rob Zombie choice no no you i want- love i love living dead girl yeah oh there you go i think good one though that is yeah you know just because i feel like i love dragula but i've heard it so many times i listen to uh the stephen king podcast and they're sponsored by fangoria so all their ads are just like like every time like yeah. so once a week so i hear little out. song clips yeah. and but like living dead girl has got like this great like um it's this riff that's not going hard, but it's like taking its time and just like a head banging rift, and then the chorus is like I catchy. agree with you. It's a slower tempo, but the riff takes its time, but it's it's groovy, I feel that's like. That's what yeah. it is. And I love when a metal song grooves. And see that's the thing. I think of like white zombie too, and I almost would categorize them more as almost like just straight heavy metal, you know, and like I think of like more human than human and like what like a like a big riffs are in the song. And I guess that's why I've always kind of put Rob Zombie more on the outside of new metal, but it's also based on who he tours with, kind of, because when you're seeing Rob Zombie on the bill, it's not with Seven Dust and Shine Down, it's with Ozzy and you know these other yeah, metal bands. That's true. Right. Like I know that might not make a difference, but like just for me, like when that's not, I don't equate them with the other bands because of the tours he goes on with these other bands. Right. He yeah. does feel like almost a step removed though from like somebody like a Megadeth of like he almost kind of has like that last has, leg like, of hair metal. More pop influence mm-hmm. in him. Yeah, I feel like. for sure. Would love to go to a Rob Zombie concert. I wouldn't work hard to go to it, but I hear they're really like 
they're one of the best concerts to go to because he puts in the production and like it's a whole thing. I mean, you see it in his movies, oh, right? Yeah. Which I think is a good kind of segue back to a coulda, woulda, shoulda is like I'd love to see him do like even like soundtracks for a movie kind of like uh, John Carpenter does now where he's oh, very yeah. much just a soundtrack guy mm-hmm. now instead of being the director because I think Zombie has something. I don't think I've ever seen his best product. I know a lot of people have a lot of love for Halloween too. But that's not the one I'm gonna give you. <laughs> Devil's Rejects. I think you should check out Lords of Salem. I think it's mm. the A24 movie before A24 movies. It's not like crazy good, but you got to check it out. Sure. But I agree. I think he has something really interesting when it comes to films. I just think the problem is he shouldn't be allowed to write his movies. Yeah. Because his dialogue is is butt rock. It's just like George <laughs> Lucas, right? Yeah. Worse, I would say. <laughs> like at least like George Lucas plays into like story archetypes of how people talk. Like Rob Zombie just says shit. I'm like, you're trying to be Gonzo and you're not. But I would love him to get a script and do the music and direct. Yeah. Or just like uh be like DP on it or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. And that way I would love to see some yeah, just more art out of him that is a little different. Any other coulda, woulda, shoulda's you guys would add? Uh, I have one. This is going to be a, a very um, obscure take, but like very new metal take. Mushroom Head making it bigger uh, as opposed to being the band that lived in the shadows of Slipknot. Mm, and, and that's true. They did, really. They did because everyone thought that Mushroom Head was just trying to copy Slipknot when in actuality... I think they came out around the same time or maybe before Slipknot, but they were so underground. I think they're from like Cleveland Mm -hmm. because they did like everyone said they were copying them because they wore the masks and the costumes and had that same like gothic horror movie. Like we wear animal head masks and things like that. Um, And like their music videos are like insane, like creepy horror movie kind of stuff. But their music was never quite as heavy as Slipknot from a like metal heaviness. They were more into like groove, but they were so like kind of just underground that like they never took hold. But they're great and they have like multiple good albums that like you can really jam. I feel like they kind of are like between Slipknot and Rob Zombie, which is why I started thinking about it. Because yeah. they have a lot of like Rob Zombie style groove to their music. If you could recommend one Mushroom Head album, what would it be? Um, it would be the album, I think it's called 13, like Roman numeral 13. Mm-hmm. That would be the one I would recommend. It also features a cover of the Seal song, Crazy. Ah. Ooh. <laughs> That's a shout out to Dan Pappas, who considers <laughs> that song uh, hold music. Or elevator music, essentially. Yeah, that was more of a shot across the bow to Dan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah listen to the Mushroom Head cover of <laughs> Seal's Crazy. <laughs> it's, it slaps. We'll have to look it up. Um, so I think that gets us to the end here, guys, where we can finally get into our power rankings before we wrap this up because i think this week what i wanted to know we talked a lot about the bands who are your top three that you would pick and if you have a song selection that you like to share with that we can maybe see hear a sample of what you consider their their best and brightest josh would you want to kick us off for that top three new metal bands yeah um lincoln park deftones POD. Excellent. 
uh, and you want songs. I mean, we know a lot of Linkin Park songs, but like, you know, to, to buck the stereotype, I'm going to go Points of Authority, potentially the reanimation remix version of it, which might go harder than the original one. Okay. You know which one I'm talking about? I'm going From to try and find. Album? Was that the album where they had like the Gundam looking? It had the Gundam, it? like the Zaku looking Gundam on it. Yeah, it was like the remix of all of like their their songs from the first two albums. It's called Reanimation, um, but it's yeah. And there was like a music video that was like a fully CGI like alien mecha battle for the music video. All but, right. Well, let's see if we can pull up a sample of the song with the reanimation remix but both the original and the reanimation one the original is on hybrid theory i think it's song number three or four okay well here's the here's the remix Slaps, pretty it slaps. good, pretty good. So your th- top three again? It was Lincoln Park, uh, Deftones, and Pod. Excellent. Deftones. Um, I mean, they're probably their biggest song they ever had was "Change" in the House of Flies. Um, but I would go uh, "Be Quiet and Drive." Be quiet and drive. Got some, got some flavor. <laughs> the vocals on this are real dreamy. Here, here the. The youth anguish. <laughs> yeah. And then third was POD. So many bangers. Uh, I mean, goodness. There's Youth of the Nation. It's hard. It's really, it's, I can't not listen to this and not think it's too awesome. It's so badass.
I know we didn't get to the chorus. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> but that's like that song, no matter how many times I've heard it, hundreds, thousands throughout my life, it's like I can't skip that song. I have to listen to it because the, the music in it, like the, the guitar line, the bass, the drums, all just like kick so hard in that song. Ah, oh, I always get hooked in. It's good. It's good. Good picks. Fred, where are you at? So I'm trying to think whether I should do like the top three of the time or like what I would put in top three now. So I'm gonna do a mix. So for number three, I'm gonna put the the nostalgia choice, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say a little biscuit, a little limp Ooh, biscuit. Yeah. And uh, why, why don't you hit him with a little sample? I got you pulled up right there. This is from a little album called The Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. <laughs> I love it. I will say, I don't think this is even the best CD. This is the one where they were the most famous. I think Significant Other is a better CD, I would say. I agree with you. What songs were on that one? Um, Nookie. Rearranged. Is My Generation? I think so. That could have been this one, though. No, Generations from Significant Other. Break stuff is on significant. Break other. stuff. Uh, what's the mic check? Man, man. With uh, Method Man. Uh, oh, what you want yeah. down? Yeah, lost, I'm not stranded I, in the land of the lost. Yeah, I can't think <laughs> of the name of it. I was gonna say like Roland is. What's on. that? I didn't hear you. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Come on, a little louder. You like they, they Limp Biscuit did so many collabs with rappers, right? Because like they had that one with Method Man, then Roland they did with DMX, mm-hmm. the Airwave remix with DMX. <laughs> <laughs> they did they did collabs with Snoop Dogg. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. Limp was all over the place. And then for this one, you don't really need to do a sound sample because I'm gonna just reiterate Lincoln Park. I mean. I come and go. I came and go for a while, Lincoln Park, because they are like crushingly sincere with their lyrics. And I think when you think about the loss of the lead singer, like I always feel bad. I don't want people to think I'm making fun of this. I think this is a positive thing about it. His lyrics sound like a kid who's being about to be grounded and he's yelling at his parents. Yeah. Like, if you listen to him, it's like this angsty yelling, you don't understand me, you don't know me. And in hindsight, that's a very sad thing. But also, it is something that I think was speaking to all of us while we were listening to it. Because it was the id, you know, of young people. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of respect to putting yourself out there and being this kind of big emotional pillar and being the id of this kind of music and it can garner you some like laughs, like of being over sincere. But honestly, that's what made it so powerful. Yeah, is because like a five year old who's having a tantrum can listen to Lincoln Park, or a thirty some year old can listen to it who's going through some shit. You know? Yeah, I completely agree with you. Couldn't have said it better. A hundred percent. Yeah. So for number one, I'm gonna go System of Down because that's the one for me that holds up still the most. I like I said, I think Toxicity is probably one of my top ten albums. And I would be happy with just hearing the intro of Toxicity, the song. I think we can definitely do that. Get a little sample in here. Because it was such 
such a big moment, I think. The You're absolutely right. The of our podcast, <laughs> of our podcast. <laughs> Which, another Richard Cheese reference was uh, him doing the song Chop Suey, and the name of his album was Tuxicity, like a tuxedo. <laughs> Here is Toxicity by System of a Down. feel kind of stupid now this is really great <laughs> but this wasn't the song i was thinking of were you thinking of chop suey maybe is that the one with the like guitars in the beginning chop suey's one where it's like wake up wake up why don't you leave the kids on the table yeah i was thinking of here you go create another fable you wanted to i did, I did. <laughs> you know what it was because i you just think to. in the beginning of chop suey has that with like the acoustic guitars on yeah but Toxicity like is also a great song. Yeah. I get it all confused because it's the well, album and the song. of Aerials. No, I'm thinking of Chop Suey. I know mm-hmm. I am. No, that's, a, that's an excellent pick. Yeah, I hate to be reiterative of two that we've heard already, but I think one, System of a Down, absolutely is so good. I, I've already kind of put them like that would be, if they ever got back together toward near Milwaukee, I think I'm going to probably... Pull the trigger, go check them out. Hopefully, if it, they can get their shit together and do it, number two would definitely be Lincoln Park. I think we we talked at length about it, but it's definitely a band that I feel like new metal isn't new metal without Lincoln Park. My third that I would throw on, I would actually say probably Disturbed would be my Ooh, personal yeah. third. Yeah. I'm gonna say Taproot. I well, oh yeah, what? I actually foreshadowed I, and then didn't well consummate I, I the foreshadowing. Called, I called a, I called an audible here <laughs> at the last minute because I when I was when we were talking about Disturbed, I really realized how much that album like was just so much part of my DNA in high the school. Sickness or believe or ten thousand. The sickness was just that was like transformative for me. I just yeah. remember that was like I'm like, oh I think I'm a metalhead. Like <laughs> <laughs> and it just it just definitely clicked for me at that point. I do want to give a special shout out to Taproot because there is one song Good that song. uh poem. Oh poem and, yeah, yeah. and the reason I remember poem so fondly, if I were making a top three songs list, it would be on there because when I did get to Australia, I had a friend who made me a MP3 CD and I had an MP3 player for the first time. I remember that song being on there and I wore it out because I loved this song so much. And I'll play a little sample from it right now, but this would be about this. my number four. I feel like these lyrics were written by Tony Soprano. Right. 
feel like, uh, first of all, that song slaps. Uh, so I'm fully with you on that, Tom. Yeah. As I called out Taproot earlier, I was like, that's a great band. Um, they should be on that top 25 list. They it, Listening to it now, Taproot is very, very adjacent to Stained. Like, yeah. In their sound and their style. The like, harmonics, right? The harmonics of, yes. Um, and, like, just both in like their guitar riffs and the way they tune their guitars and their vocals like it's very very similar in a good way cuz i like both of them yeah mm-hmm. it is it is a it's a great song and i think you're right they are they really do share a lot of similar like sound a lot of dna it's and i think yeah that kind of is exemplary of a lot of what new metal was right we just you kind of got a lot of similar sounds, but everybody had their own special spin on it, which I think is fun. Like if you listen back on this episode, and I think and everybody listening along, you can hear how different every one of these bands were. It's like it's like listening to kind of like classic rock, where you go from like your Pink Floyd, that's a little more like psychedelic, to you know your Led Zeppelin, which is a little more blues and just almost kind of like the the first like Godfathers of rock or you know metal. Like they kind of push the push the envelope. But that's another podcast, which gets us to the end of this episode, gentlemen. Um, Josh, thank you so much for joining us this week. But before you go, is there anything you would like to plug? Well, thank you for having me, gentlemen. Um, as far as uh, things to plug, um, in September, I'll have a couple improv shows at the Interchange Theater. And then in October, I will be... Uh, featured in a Halloween murder mystery improv Ooh. show at Comedy Sports as part of the Schmitz and Giggles uh, annual Halloween murder mystery whodunit show. Um, so that's what I got going coming up to plug. But yeah, again, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure uh, chatting with you, gents. So yeah, we like we cheers. like having you back. We'll we'll definitely have to finish the trilogy very soon. Fred, how about you? Anything you'd like to plug this time? No, nothing at the moment. I'll just say, you know, check out Interchange and check out our podcast. But I'm sure you're going to let them know all about the podcast. I'm going to try here. You know us. We're at State of the Franchise Podcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a one-time donation at buymeacoffee.com slash SOTF. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, Facebook, and... YouTube, believe it or not, we do have a YouTube channel where we are posting just our podcast episodes if you are looking for another platform to listen on. And maybe one day we will do more. You'll have to stay tuned for that. But what you'll have to stay tuned for now, Fred, I don't know that we have decided on a topic for next week. We'll let you call it. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn. We floated an idea. I thought, are we going to get freaky? Let's get freaky. I think uh, with le- recent events and the death of William Friedkin, we're going to talk William Friedkin. That's right. We're going to talk about the works of William Friedkin. So get your exorcist out. Get your French connection. A uh, little movie called, uh, what, was the, what was the one? In the Jungle. Oh, Sorcerer? Yeah. Yeah, we both got to watch Sorcerer, and I think you should watch Cruisin'. I would love to pick that up before we get there. (laughs) So we'll be talking about that, and uh, thanks again for listening. We'll see you then. Peace.
some more conversations about butt rock as we go forward. Yeah, Tom worked hard on this outline. You want to talk about butt rock. <laughs> There's a place for butt rock in the conversation about music. Let's just, let's I, just leave think, it at I that. I think we just touched that place. <laughs> we touched that butt rock. 